0: Hello, this is Ryan Fritz with Science of Cardio, delivering the latest and greatest and the pros and cons of exercise science. Hello, today we're gonna talk about inflammation. Inflammation is a tricky topic. Uh, There are pros and cons. So inflammation is something that your body does to heal and repair and grow tissues, and kind of fix itself from being damaged or injured. So it's something that the body has to do as a response to heal itself. And um, I feel like in today's society, we have a lot More inflammation and we don't understand how to eliminate that and how to kind of work on things, exercise, nutrition, work on the mental side of like meditation and relaxation of the mind or thinking. So we're going to dive into inflammation. I'm going to start out with the pros. So the good thing that inflammation does is it repairs tissues and cells that are damaged. It will heal the body, the cells and tissues, organs, and uh, ligaments, tendons, muscles, nervous system, brain tissue, um, pretty much, you know, super powerful repairing and growth. So inflammation also can be looked at as longevity so if someone is super inflamed they might have health problems they might have gut health issues digestion they might feel things in their joints aches and pains so also inflammation uh, helps with our immunity and autoimmunity so Inflammation is a good thing that our body does, but too much of it can be a bad thing. Okay, so getting into the cons or the downside of inflammation is if we have too much inflammation, uh, it creates a very unhealthy environment for our body. And so a basic example was arthritis uh, or calcification. So, arthritis, uh, you know, obviously is pain in the joint. Usually, what happens is, is you get this kind of inflammation. Uh, as a result of that, bones might grow or change shape. Um, you get arthritic spurring in your vertebrae or your spine. So, uh, this is something to be very aware of, and we want to avoid this. So, bone calcification, kind of arthritis, you hear about rheumatoid arthritis and uh, some different things that really are aches and pains uh, that can lead to deformations of bones and joints and lack of movement ranges of motion or you know just not being able to use certain body parts so that's pretty serious stuff you know when i think of inflammation i think of aches and pains and more of a chronic ache and pain you know if you're not eating healthy Or you're doing something that is uh, overuse, you're doing it a lot of times, a lot of repetitions, or maybe, you know, you go running or hiking something, you're doing it, you know, 14, 15 days in a row. Uh, This can create a lot of inflammation in your body uh, because it doesn't have time to repair, heal, or kind of rest itself. So inflammation and kind of that ache and pain thing is a communication from your brain to your body and your cells. So it is really trying to tell your conscious mind of hey something's not right you need to adjust or change something so it's that warning sign that we get so that's kind of the best way to describe inflammation uh, or aches and pains another thing with inflammation is gut disease so if we're eating foods um, you know that have inflammation or bodies just not regulating or doesn't deal well with maybe it's got a Allergen to or it's sensitive to a certain food or kind of chemical you're putting in your body uh, this Over time creates disease So I just want to kind of point out that inflammation can cause gut disease It can cause joint disease and it also can lead to organ failure You know, if you go out and you have some french fries or some ice cream, you know, one day out of your entire life is not going to have a significant impact on gut disease, joint disease, and organ failure. Um, When you have three to five meals a day where you're having foods that are inflammation causing, uh, or your body's sensitive, or allergic, or doesn't deal, manage with really well. This leads to long-term organ failure and death. Uh, This is a really big topic, and there's a lot of, I I would say, uneducation or lack of knowing about inflammation. Some things that I have learned about uh, foods is white potatoes really causes my joints to be achy and it causes inflammation. Um, I know sometimes if I'm walking uh, or hiking, uh, I know it's my wedding ring is really tight. You get that finger toe inflammation. Uh, that's just from blood flowing around, and um, your body's trying to create homeostasis and cool itself off and kind of regulate all those cells and move bad stuff out of your extremities and good blood in. So, so some other foods uh, that I try to avoid or stay away that are usually high in inflammation or inflammatory properties are boxed foods. So I would recommend or suggest you go to a whole food. I was taught, you know, <laughs> if you can't pick it off a tree, grab it off the ground. Uh, it's probably not healthy and it's probably not great for you. So I have kind of mixed feelings about this gluten insensitivity and gluten issues. The, the idea of gluten uh, creates a sensitivity, just kind of, you know, our background and the science approach, everybody's different. Everybody's got their own needs, their own issues. Everybody needs to come up with their own prescription for exercise, nutrition, rest, recovery, everybody's got, you know, different genetics. Different age ranges, uh, different genders, you know, different biomarkers and cells and predispositions that affects them. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. Again, figure out what is best for you, but also, again, experiment and find out information, take notes, and do a study on yourself. That is the best advice that I can give. Um, I know that I have a gluten sensitivity. I try to stay away from wheat. I try to avoid dairy I have noticed that when I cut out breads and kind of simple grains simple sugars that uh, my gut health is better I'm not so bloated Um, I have noticed you know that dairy if I have you know milk with something that my nose starts to run uh, or I get nasally or congested so those are some just examples of things that i've experienced and again you'll have to kind of figure out if you have sensitivities or allergens to things i would highly recommend going and getting blood work done to find out if you have sensitivities Um, again you can just experiment just try you know a food eliminate it put it back in and just take a you know note, mental note, or diary of what happens when you do that. Those are kind of the you know things that your body does with inflammation. Uh, inflammation is you know helpful to clean, clear, uh, repair, heal, grow, helps a bunch of processes in the body. Um, it is also a warning sign to um, you know give us information of hey I'm achy, I'm inflamed, my feet are swollen, my hands are swollen. Uh, Your body does everything for a purpose and we need to take kind of that information and adjust accordingly. So we'll get into the anatomy of inflammation. So inflammation is again this healing process that happens in your body at the cellular blood level and essentially what drives it is Hormones, your thyroid uh, releases certain hormones to deal with stress. Um, So, good examples fight or flight, they're calling it fight, flight, or freeze now. So, you know, you have adrenaline and all these epinephrine, norepinephrine hormones kicking into your body when you go running, when you exercise. Uh, when you get scared out in nature by a grizzly bear. Your body does these things to protect itself. It's focused, it gets a lot of energy, and it can climb trees, run fast, jump do all these amazing things. But this is very taxing on our body. So again, just trying to get into a brief discussion about hormones and inflammation. So this is a natural process. When your body exercises, it produces cortisol, testosterone, human growth hormone, estrogen. There are all these things that happen to get you to function, get you to get out of harm's way, X, Y, or Z. So when we exercise, we are kind of poking the bear, if you will. We're forcing that adrenaline. We're forcing cortisol. We're forcing testosterone. We're forcing human growth hormone. We're forcing IGF, insulin-like growth factor. These things, you know, again, metabolize foods. They give us amazing abilities to uh, get away from predators and dangerous situations, fight against people, animals, if we need to. Again, trying to stay neutral with that, uh, just letting you know that your body, when you exercise, when you eat, certain foods trigger hormone responses. They trigger repair and healing. They might trigger inflammation and joint Arthritic issues, so you know food exercise Really are kind of driving your inflammation or your lack of inflammation So some indicators that are used to track Inflammation in your body are are Limited but we can gather information from your blood pressure So if your blood pressure is high or it is normally high or you have had family with high blood pressure typically that's a good sign of inflammation your body is trying to repair clean and fix itself so again exercise might be a solution nutrition might be a solution the combined of exercise and nutrition might be a solution rest recovery you know doing all those will optimally help um, inflammation and decreasing that inflammation So some other things that I've used is heart rate. If your resting, heart rate is super elevated. That typically means that you are inflamed. It means that you're overtraining. So when I was training professional athletes, we used to use heart rate as an indicator to find out, you know, did we do too much yesterday? Have we been doing too much the last three, four, five, six weeks? And typically if you start monitoring and watching it, Um, I've had times, you know, if you go and drink alcohol, your next day, your heart rate's super high, crazy high. I had a friend that uh, went out drinking, got a new Apple heart rate watch and just was like amazed. Their heart rate was like 150 while they were sleeping, just repairing and doing all these things. So uh, pretty cool information and data collection off of heart rate monitors. Another thing that has been used recently, I know the Army's using this, is heart rate variability. Uh, A lot of endurance athletes are using heart rate variability and it's the signals from your brain to your heart, kind of that nervous system signal. The pulses or signals is usually a regulatory signal uh, when you're not exercising. And when you are in extreme fatigue, extreme uh, exhaustion, those signals start to vary a little bit. So, uh, that is a great way to pick up kind of overtraining and also a good indicator of inflammation. Uh, the best indicator that I have found is looking at blood work. Uh, I go to naturopaths and get some blood work done. You can see, you know, if you change your diet, how certain biomarkers in your blood work. I encourage you to talk to a naturopath, get some blood work done, research, find out information. Um, I know the one place that I go to for blood work. They have a comparison over the last like you know four or five times. So I can see you know if I change my diet, if I change my exercise, how does You know the hormones how are they affected how does you know these different biomarkers change over time in conjunction with what I tweaked modified or changed Um, and then another one is chronic pain Uh, I know if I do traditional strength training like bodybuilding routines usually after about two months my body's fried so this is you know doing six sets seven sets eight sets um just going crazy kind of in the weight room and after a while you just you have joint pains and aches back starts to hurt all these things your body's upset angry pissed off it wants to get you to clean and fix and kind of ease up rest so again the exercise nutrition paradigm is that balance is a happy medium you don't want to be too extreme on exercise you don't want to do too little exercise you know with um, nutrition you know we have to eat food we can't fast all the time there's this kind of balance of eating the right foods in you know enough that we can get nutrition growth repair you know do our body processes but we're not Uh, starving or we're not you know inflaming our body so I feel that kind of diabetes surge obesity surge is more of an inflammation problem so I feel like the diabetes and obesity uh, is a major issue because of inflammation and I feel like we're looking at it the wrong way Uh, when you go to a doctor and you're unhealthy the first thing they say is you know diet exercise Uh, they don't give you any prescription well they shouldn't be giving you prescription but uh, you know there's no guidance there's just no approach to hey you should be walking three days a week you should you know be eating more greens having more garden type of vegetables homegrown stuff organic foods there should be less you know wheat less dairy less gluten less processed sugars and i mean to be honest a lot of general practitioners they they don't know much about it their specialty is in prescriptions so they're usually going to kind of give the you know blood pressure medicine and these kind of meds to help out with your symptoms and they don't go to the root cause the root cause is exercise is not happening their nutrition is not great Um, They're not getting enough sleep. They're not balancing their hormones and their, you know, body isn't functioning like it should. I think that we need to move. I think that we need to be thoughtful about nutrient-dense fueling or eating. So that's kind of how I approach the eating thing is, okay, I can have this. I really like the taste of this or I am trying to fuel myself with the best nutrients Available and I'm gonna push the the taste away and go more towards the nutrient density uh, and so you know some people aren't cool with that they they struggle with that but um, I, I have noticed uh, with you know doing salads if I eat if I eat an iceberg lettuce salad um, I'm hungry afterwards I don't get filled up now on the flip side of that if I have a you know, spring mix salad with pistachios and avocados and olive oil and seeds, pumpkin seeds and all of these kind of nutrients. I might put some beets on there and uh, that fills me up. It gives me the fuel that I need. And I think most people overeat because they're under So they eat something like a piece of toast for breakfast, Uh, It's got some carbohydrates, there's, you know, no protein with it, there might be some butter, you know, with a little bit of fat, or, you know, the typical is put jam on a piece of toast, it's like sugar and carb city, Uh, there's not this balance of macronutrients, you know, basically give ourselves one fuel source, your body goes through that, and then it's asking for more. So then, you know, two, three hours later, it's saying, hey, I didn't get enough calories, I didn't get enough nutrients, I didn't get enough protein and fat, I want more. So then you eat two hours later, and you eat, you know, I don't know, candy bar, or some, you know, sugary snack, some chocolate, whatever, same thing, not enough calories, not enough nutrient density, Your body says, I want more. And then you go through this four to six meal thing a day, and you're really not getting any fuel to kind of drive motivate uh, move your body fuel uh, the cells the organs so it is very important to eat nutrient-dense foods i usually alternate so for breakfast i will have an organic plant-based protein with a banana and some vitamins or supplements Uh, then on another day i usually do some kind of egg Uh, we have free-range chickens here at the house so we have an abundance of eggs, so we'll do an omelet, you know, throw some spinach in there, some onions, a uh, different, you know, we might put some avocados in, uh, or, you know, just straight up eggs over easy. But um, I try to switch up my meals, but also, uh, you know, thoughtful about, well, for breakfast, your body's super absorbent, hasn't eaten, and we want to kind of smartly throw some food and nutrients into the tank uh, but we want to be cautious about you know your body's gonna absorb a lot so we don't want to you know overeat for your first meal and we don't want to have a bunch of your body sucking in fat and trying to store carbohydrates and fat so I try to alternate you know something proteiny with fat or something with a protein and a carb. So, uh, food for thought. So, recommendations going into inflammation. So, this is where it gets kind of the nitty gritty. The solutions or recommendations is where you change this inflammation or You know, lack of inflammation, increase or decrease that inflammation thing. So there's a couple ways to do this. Um, I'm going to go through nutrition recommendations, exercise recommendations, and then there's some kind of mindful recommendations. So I'm going to be kind of jumping back and forth, but that's kind of the gist of solutions, recommendations for decreasing inflammation. Um, One is meditation. So if you're always uptight, and thinking and worried and stressed, it's going to increase your heart rate. It's going to increase your blood pressure. So that mental part of relaxation is a huge driver or kind of catalyst for inflammation. So highly recommend meditation. Um, you know, if, if you haven't ever meditated, there's a tons of videos and apps and things available on the internet. Um, Another kind of less formal form of meditation is, you know, go for a walk at lunchtime, uh, go outside, go in the woods. You can sit on a log, you can sit on a bench in a park, and just just hang out for 5, 10, 15 minutes, and just unwind, okay? So that's the mental side of things. Um, I have found that cold baths. So cold therapy uh, stimulates cold shock proteins, and this has a huge influence on our hormones and drives uh, inflammation down. So when I was younger, uh, you know, 20 years ago, ice was kind of this, oh, well, if you get injured, you put ice on it and they found that ice really reduced swelling aka swelling is inflammation you hurt injure something all the blood pools in the area that's injured and it's trying to repair and fix that damaged tissues the cells whatever's hurt um, so we found out that if you put ice on it it pushes or cleans out that kind of inflammation so there's some controversy about should we do that should we not Um, but the idea back in the day or thought process was well clean out the damaged cells and bring new blood flow to the area to help it repair or heal faster the newer research uh, is showing that ice or cold stress proteins really helps to stimulate nerve repair this is kind of new science with kind of cold therapy so Um, I usually, I'd say like two to three times a week, I'm doing a cold bath, Um, you know, in the fall, in the springtime, when we have our pull up outside, I'll be getting in the water to be 30, 40 degrees outside, the water temperature is usually in the 40s, that will wake you up, (laughs) it will get, uh, you know, goosebumps and everything's kind of doing its natural basic instinct uh, with the hormones. I feel that that is a great way. It's a very easy way to stimulate hormone processes and also help reduce inflammation. Uh, on the opposite side of that spectrum is the sauna. So you have dry sauna or a steam sauna, even just sweating. Uh, you know sweating is a natural detox. So it gets crap out of your body, your organs, your cells, and it pushes it out of your pores. So sweating also has been researched, uh, stimulates the hormone process, the thyroid, kind of this fight or flight. You know, your body doesn't want to be in an extreme cold or extreme hot. So it, it kicks on and does things to cool itself off, heat itself up. Um, you go through a ton of calories, trying to maintain homeostasis with that temperature change. If your core temperature goes up or down, your body's working overtime to, get it back to normal or steady state. So the sauna will help blood flow, oxygen, obviously. When you're exercising, you know, you usually have endorphins and all these things. You feel better. So the sauna is a cool way that you can get those kind of feel-good vibes. You can affect your hormone balances. You can get the good, happy You know, hormones going. you can get the tranquilizer hormones that will help you sleep and help with your circadian rhythm and kind of your wake sleep cycles. So highly encourage kind of that uh, challenge or stress with the sauna and, you know, hot stress proteins and also the cold side of things. So I have other podcasts that go into a lot of details with that. Again, there's a ton of information on the internet, um, YouTube, and resources out Uh, That you can research and find about kind of environmental conditioning or hot or cold. So another recommendation is rest. So resting from a exercise standpoint, resting from a nutritional standpoint, resting from a mental, you know, thinking thought process. I know when I'm on the computer uh, doing admin things, I'm just like wrecked, I'm exhausted, I've been static, I've been sitting, like, you know, just body's not happy, back's hurting the next day or later, resting, taking your mental kind of mind off of things, maybe taking a day off from exercising, maybe taking uh, some time off from eating, you know, maybe skipping a meal, maybe taking a day off of eating to let your gut health relax, rest, is very important and really influences inflammation, decreases inflammation Um, so with that rest component we have sleep sleep is the time that our body repairs itself so if you're not getting sleep it is damaging to your organs to your cells to your muscles to your nerves to pretty much everything in your well-being and I (laughs) am a big proponent of this you have got to sleep to build muscle tissue you have got to sleep to grow hair you have to sleep to regulate your hormones, to regulate serotonin, epinephrine, norepinephrine, testosterone, cortisol, estrogen, human growth hormone, insulin-like growth factor. So the more you sleep, the better your body repairs and heals itself. There is a catch with that. If you sleep too much, um, you know, your body's recycling a lot of stuff, waste garbage in your body. Uh, So you can sleep too much and, you know, it will affect you negatively. If you don't get enough sleep, it will affect you negatively. So if someone said, hey, if you slept an extra hour, you would live 20 more years of your life. You might think differently. You might try to act, you know, take action on that process. But, you know, life's busy, life's crazy. So unwind, slow down, be patient. And I think that sleep is a hugely underestimated uh, superpower. So get your sleep. Um, we'll go into a little bit of detoxing. You know, So I talked about the sauna, sweating detox exercise. We detox, we get rid of poisons and things in our body from deodorants, shampoos, soaps, uh, our clothing, maybe things that's getting kind of... Uh, pulled in through our pores in the air exhausts from vehicles people outside smoking um, you know just chemicals that are floating around uh, sun UV damage Uh, so we we need to detox and get rid of that so sweating is a great way to do that Um, on the nutrition side detoxing seaweed is a great detoxifier of the liver so your kidneys and your liver are filters and whatever a body you know uses those to kind of clean out our bloodstream Um, you know if you think about kidney stones and liver disease you know when I think of liver disease cirrhosis of the liver I think of like you know drinkers alcoholics and their bodies trying to process alcohol and the human body cannot process alcohol that's why we get drunk and your livers fighting and trying to clean and clear all that stuff out of our blood, so uh, a way to clean up, heal, repair your liver, your kidneys, uh, seaweed, seaweed salads is kind of our go-to. Uh, we also get a it's kind of like a dried seaweed snack. Um, you can get those you know Trader Joe's, Whole Foods. Uh, we've gotten them at some Asian markets, uh, but they're they're called I think seaweed chips or seaweed flakes. So highly recommend that. Also, uh, beets is great for decreasing inflammation. Uh, beets has a uh, a natural—it's called a nitric oxide—and what that does to our body is it opens or dilates our blood vessels. So it really gets blood flowing and oxygen flowing and it also for me personally has helped lower my blood pressure blood pressure is a sign of inflammation we can uh, open up our arteries you can also use caffeine so this is why people feel great after having coffee or maybe tea or some kind of caffeinated beverage because their arteries are open they're getting blood flow they're getting oxygen you know they're getting all these benefits to their cells their brain their tissues organs So those are some ways that you can help to reduce inflammation. Now, you know, again, everything's tricky because if you go and you run a marathon and you have a coffee, it's not going to eliminate or fix that. So, you know, these are just recommendations you got to play around with, experiment with, and um, figure out what helps you out. So kind of moving on to the exercise Uh, exercise so strength training or I should just say exercise in general is a stress on your body it does create inflammation okay if you get into like basics of strength training you work out you stress your body and then you let it recover so typically the old saying was you know don't work the same muscle two days in a row you would do You know, strength Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or if your schedule you know Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and that's to allow your body to repair, heal. Okay, so exercise, cardiovascularly and strength training are um, going to promote healthy inflammation. You stressed damage the tissues, the cells, the nerves, and your body is going to repair that. Okay, so that is healthy to do in a scientific. Approach when you get into strength training uh, I have found that traditional weights dumbbells machines cables that movement heavy resistance training creates a lot of inflammation and um, I have found for me personally this is a it's very hard to sustain you know I've had times where I've put on 30 pounds Mostly of muscle uh, in a couple months, and doing certain you know strength training and nutrition kind of habits, and it's just you can't keep it up. You know, you look at all the greats Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, Lou Ferrigno, all these great bodybuilders came out of 70s, 80s, 90s. They have a lot of (laughs) they have a lot of issues. They have joint aches and pains. They've had a lot of surgeries. Um, But, you know, you look at a a bodybuilder who's 80 years old, they don't look like they did when they were 25 or 30. So sustainability is hard with regular exercise. So what I have found in lieu of traditional exercise is isometric strength training. A couple years ago I was having problems uh, with my joints, uh, feet and hip, back. Uh, just aches and pains is kind of chronic thing. and I didn't really know what it was and you know, oh, I'm gonna work on strengthening this because this is weak. and and I started, doing isometrics uh we got a machine called the isofit and i was like i'm gonna play around with this i'm gonna do a two-month experiment and i'm gonna do just isometrics i'm gonna cut out running and cardiovascular exercise and i just i tested myself i did my blood pressure i did my heart rate i did my body weight i did circumferences body composition i did a test for i did my i think it was a squat strength test i was like all right i'm gonna do these isos kind of see if this thing is legit or works or not and at the end of this kind of 10 week or two month period I'm gonna go back and recheck and test all these things uh, I, I was amazed I was shocked I was blown away I, I thought you know this things bogus it's lame I don't see how it can work um, but I was able to <laughs> put I think I put 25 pounds on my one rep max squat my blood pressure went down it was 153 over like 93 which is really high And the isometrics like regulated it. I went to 131 over 83, which is normal high, uh, not, you know, not, not bad. Um, But I was really concerned. I didn't want to go on blood pressure medicine because I have clients that use it. They get dizzy. uh, They have problems with it. So this was an eye opener solution of, wow, I can decrease inflammation. I can lower my blood pressure to a healthy range by doing isometrics. And my body comp, it stayed about the same. Not really changed much. Um, But I got stronger and I was less inflamed. All my joint stuff in my back and my foot, it went away. I felt great and I was applying a ton of force. So um, try it out if you haven't done isometrics. Uh, You can play around with it. Uh, You can ask me questions. I've been doing pretty hardcore isometric training for about two or three years now. So, you know, I'm going to learn more uh, about it but uh, it seems to be this anti-inflammatory type of strength resistance training so you can do that your body will heal and recover with this type of isometric training and then you can push it again where we run into problems with conventional strength training is you push yourself really hard it's super inflamed Then you push yourself hard again, it's super inflamed, and you keep pushing yourself before you recover and heal, and over time things break down. That's when you start getting tendonitis, you know, all these bursitis, these inflammations, this chronic stress, inflammation, body can't repel, Um, you know, so nutrition comes into play with that as well but uh, I think that isometric strength training is a important part of inflammation. So another point of that is, you know, the meatheads, you look super giant muscle, they're just really inflamed and they're unhealthy. Um, Most heavy lifter bodybuilder types that I know have blood pressure issues. Again, indicator of inflammation, but they go to the doctor and get on blood pressure medicine and they keep lifting. And it doesn't really resolve or heal, fix, help itself. So try out isometric strength training. Okay, and then let's go into cardio. Cardio, same thing. Exercise uh, creates inflammation, creates stress. Your body wants to repair and heal itself. So blood pressure goes up, heart rate goes up to combat these stressful environments. I recommend that you really limit high intensity cardio. Um, I personally do high intensity cardio, like interval type of training once a week. Um, I think that that is sustainable. Again, this is me and my situation. I've played around with different ideas. You know, if you're training for an event, obviously be thoughtful about high intensity cardiovascular exercise, but really the biggest downfall that people have with not getting gains, plateauing, uh, not being able to lose weight. A lot of it comes down to over-exercising and too much inflammation, your body's not resting or recovering enough to handle uh, what stress loads you're putting onto it. So I, I typically will do a slow, steady-state cardiovascular training session once a week, and I will do one interval, kind of fast, slow cardio session once a week. And then depending on the season, uh, me and my wife are huge outdoor fans, we will, you know, in the wintertime we're skiing, in the summertime we're usually hiking, and then the spring and fall we're either biking or hiking, uh, depending on the weather. Um, You know, those long distance kind of endurance type of activities, I'd say like, you know, more than two hours. Um, they're gonna put stress on your nervous system on your cells your muscle tissues your tendons ligaments your spine your discs like it puts stress on your body so your body's natural way to fix that is to create inflammation or pull blood bring blood to clean fix repair those cells and then get rid of it so if you're doing that too frequently too often it is going to decrease your performance decrease your power output And decrease your overall gains so food for thought Uh, speaking of food so some things that I do um, on a supplement or food kind of regimen to help out with inflammation Uh, as I mentioned before I usually take a a organic plant-based protein um, just to reduce the greens and the dairy I put almond milk in there Again, to reduce the dairy, I have a sensitivity to dairy, so I'm trying to get rid of that kind of wheat, gluten, high-processed sugar, and just minimize... You know get a straight protein and you know again there's other ways to do that eggs are kind of the ideal protein but you know depending on additives things you put into your foods you know we start making omelets with regular milk you know whole milk 2% milk that is going to have a different inflammation and a different absorption and different properties on your stomach your gut your intestines and just overall health and joints and organs So be thoughtful about that. As far as supplements go, I will add turmeric. I usually take a pill form. Um, I also, in the morning, uh, sometimes with a shake or sometimes with my tea, I will do apple cider vinegar. Apple cider vinegar promotes a hormonal process in your digestion that uh, helps with burning fat as fuel. So um, that is a really cool thing. That you can kind of get benefits from, and it also helps kind of with gut health. Um, at night, I will usually take uh, magnesium citrate or ma- magnesium citrate, however you want to say it. Um, I'll have that. That is something that my naturopath recommended, it rests the nerves and relaxes your stomach. So we want to, you know, do things that relax our organs and our body. There's different forms and different ways to get kind of that magnesium into your body, you know, pill, liquid. Um, Another thing is beets. Uh, I have grown really fond of beets. I have noticed that if you have homegrown beets, so we grow beets in our garden uh, and we pickle beets. We have Amy's aunt's kind of recipe and it is the bomb. We love it. They're, oh man, beets are like candy with the pickled versions, Um, but there's a huge difference between getting beets at a grocery store and growing them in your garden. So if you don't have access to them, the beets are great. Uh, Nitric oxide opens up your arteries, gets blood flowing, helps oxygen flow. Really recommend if you can grow them or get them from a farmer's market. Um, They are awesome and amazing for your body a lot of antioxidants in beets when amy is going through cancer her doctor recommended you know beets antioxidants antioxidants are basically things that stop oxidation in our body Um, oxidation is typically experienced in kidney stones foods are things that we put in our body It gets this chemical reaction and it creates calcification or stones and kidney stones suck i've had them I was eating way too much spinach and not antioxidants. So I was doing this keto thing and I got into trouble because I was eating pretty much protein and fat and no antioxidants. And I learned the hard way going to the ER at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, with kidney stones that you need to have antioxidants with uh, spinach herbs and plants that relax your stomach you know whenever you get a stomach ache when you're a kid you know your parents would give you ginger ginger ale something like that so it kind of relaxes so those are kind of the nutrition side uh, another recommendation just alcohol drugs they damage our cells and our organs we talked about you know drinking alcohol uh, gets processed through the liver it creates cirrhosis of the liver so uh, putting chemicals and things into your body other than food can also have problems so you know a lot of drug users they don't live very long they're damaging their brain uh, their cells you know a simple thing but just food for thought so that's pretty much the podcast i'm sure there are a ton of questions and some unknowns so feel free to contact me on social media or email and go to the website sciencecardio.com facebook instagram this is just a introduction to inflammation there is a lot of information about this i want this to be a again just a light bulb kind of or an introduction but go research find out information and uh, good luck and I encourage you to get better at decreasing inflammation in all these different avenues so thanks catch you next time